Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Michael Sidgwick in the very short absence of Adam Wilborn, and I'm joined by fellow Dadly Boy Michael Hamflit to preview everything that's in store for us on AEW Dynamite tonight. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We preview and review AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, pay-per-views, Rampage is coming up onto the schedule imminently. We conduct wrestler interviews we hold roundtable wrestling discussions and host a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz of course on wrestle culture nailed that intro and i tell you what guys about last year when i used to take on these hosting duties when willborn was off i used to have a, a sheet of paper that you can... <laughs> top of the head now top of the head we will be reminded why uh, willborn's much better at me than this but you're not interested in hosting you are marks much like us interested in all elite wrestling how much are you interested in tonight's show? Medium. Um, I think I was an outlier last week's Dynamite. Uh, it didn't. It wasn't reviewed as favourably, but it answered a lot of my issues with recent episodes where the highs weren't quite as high, but the lows were nowhere near as low. I found it to be a way more consistent broadcast over the two hours. Um, and... It, whilst it didn't sort of like heighten my anticipation, particularly for this week's episode, AEW have done such a grand job of building basically the next, what, three weeks of television, pay-per-view, specials, etc., um, as such a destination for all the wrestling fans to gather around and just look, just to peer through the window and see what they can possibly deliver over these next three or four kind of pivotal weeks for the company, that I'm excited on those terms more than I am for this specific episode. They've also, well, I guess we'll get to this in the body of the review. We sort of talked about this just before we started recording. They really kind of need to pull the finger out and promote Rampage. And I feel like we'll get loads of that tonight as well. And that's never a bad thing. When they really turn up the dial on trying to like hit you over the head with stuff, it feels so much more exciting. Yeah, um, I'll briefly touch on last week's, obviously, because I think um, some listeners will be interested in my thoughts. Um, I was obviously off enjoying a lovely family holiday. I don't know if it was just the setting of going back to Daly's place with, like, such a weird quickness. The homecoming, like, I always thought in my heart, how awesome would it be? And this is not, it hasn't happened. How awesome would it be if after that huge long residency at Daly's place, they went at least a year, at least a year doing the arenas and hopefully throughout that period, it would become endemic or manageable or whatever, the, the pandemic. And then, and only then, would they go back to Daly's place and it'll be like, oh, the world's fixed. 
<laughs> product's awesome. Like, how sweet is it to come back here, but in, in a completely like 180 terms? We didn't get that. Basically, what's happened, right? And I think they want to really keep Daly's place as their home base. It's a really like strong thing to do. They've effectively guaranteed about 1,500 people in that place at least every single time. Cody so, tried and, to brand it last week. I don't think it quite landed, but I think that was the intent, wasn't it? Yeah. To sort of rename it formally, and it didn't really land at it. But yeah. the AW Amphitheater is kind of that, like, we should all start calling it that now sort of thing. Right yeah. There. So I think that... Here's what's happened. Either they want to really get a territory vibe going, or they genuinely are appreciative of everyone who continued to come out, distanced, masked, all the rest of it. And they thought, you know what, they deserve a reward. They deserve like a proper dynamite. Or they couldn't get an arena booked. That, that, <laughs> the only explanation for why they went back so early. And I'm thinking if that show happens in an arena, I don't think it's suffered with volume, but maybe just are here again. Because I was way higher on that dynamite than most people were as well. Like, Miro Lee Johnson, Miro's individual performance was fantastic. That trios match was way different to the trios matches we've seen and we'll probably see again tonight. So much goddamn fun. And Malachi Black, I'm getting his T-shirt. Like, <laughs> you know that feeling when you're proper high in a wrestler? I'm getting mm-hmm. that Malachi Black and I can't believe I am because I just thought he was a bit of a dork in WWE, if I'm totally honest. Jesus Christ, have they nailed every goddamn inch of that character. But yeah, tonight's lineup. When I, my favorite part of Dynamite usually is, we've talked about this at length, is just after the women's match, because it's always in the penultimate quarter hour, it would seem, just before the main event, you get a rundown on next week's card, and you're like, oh, yes, that's awesome. And you get these feelings of being a total mark, anticipating the greatness to come, and you got one more bit of greatness in the main event. It's just a wonderful little promotional tactic. I watched that last week, and I went, eh. <laughs> he's joking <laughs> like, like seriously this is what you got is Rampage going to kill it like on week one and then you get two specific matches added that way alright okay you're going to get two absolute bangers to complement what is more a story driven um, show but we'll get into it I would not anticipate Chris Jericho versus Wardlow the fourth of the fifth labours of Jericho to be a banger we firmly expect Jericho to win I enjoy the fact that Wardlow's in it just purely because by virtue of being in it, he comes across as a big deal through the parameters of the storyline at least, where it's like, right, okay, you've had the lunatic, you've had the guy who you can't wrestle anymore because you can't do top rope stuff because you're a heavyweight, um, you've had the odds stacked against you with Sean Spears, I'm just going to get the hard bastard to kill you off before I have to do it. So, viewed through those parameters, I think it really reflects well on Wardlow, how he's positioned in the storyline. I do have my doubts about the match quality. Chris Jericho is so over, so over that it will be loud. I'm really hoping this is kept simple, and I think it will be, um, because as much as I've really enjoyed the labours, I thought the UV match was far too ambitious. Mm. It had a great finish and they got there in the end just, but my God, those first two minutes were amateurish. Um, I really hope this is kept simple and I hope that Chris Jericho does the very not boring version of a solid pro's job to get the raw power of Wardlow over. What are your thoughts on this? Is it jazzy up? 
Um, it doesn't, it doesn't. I am always keen to see uh, the gradual ascension of Wardlow in the form of these, you know, we talk about the labours of Jericho. Really, this is the tests of Wardlow, isn't it? Every singles match he has is another, like, test to see just how much he's advanced in the time. The, the very smart gaps that they keep him away from the spotlight, um, whether that be his showcase moment in Blood and Guts or, of course, that debut against Cody, Um the stuff with the MMA inspired stuff with Hager, I thought it was pretty great, you know. Like they've just they've been very measured and very careful with how they've deployed Wardlow as a straight singles wrestler. And this is hopefully just another example of that. You're going in there with this guy who's sort of at this point, he's a knackered but more entertaining Christian in this context. That's what Chris Jericho is. He's not going to have the engine that Christian clearly has to do this, but probably bring a little bit more sizzle to the actual body of the match itself. So, you know, you're losing a bit of one, but you're getting a bit more of another. That's only based on the evidence of the, of the labours thus far. Like, Chris Jericho has been ambitious is the word. I would, like, maybe touch kind for me, I'd say over-ambitious, especially with the Hooventude match. Like, the sloppiness undermined the rest of the story that we're trying to tell. I thought, I don't think we're going to get that here. I don't think Jericho would want that for Wardlow. Um, there was so, uh, such a novelty vibe in the air with the Nick Gage and Hoovy matches that I think almost Jericho could treat it as like he was on his holidays a little bit. This is more about the, this is the business end of things in terms of the labours and in terms of AEW. You cannot, you, you cannot just go out there and flop about knackered when you're in the ring with the guy that you, the company wants as one of its next major stars. Um, the interesting thing is how they delicately deal with the the like the reality of the finish jericho's probably got a win and it was one thing for cody to like risk it all off the top of a steel cage to beat wardlow but i mean look at them just look at them and what is what is jericho doing beyond this degenerating into an inner circle pinnacle runaround that leaves wardlow in such a position that he can even beat him um this is not a very aw trick but it's popped into my head since last week that MJF commentates it or stands ringside or whatever in a suit that should Jericho somehow get the win, MJF steal, like tears the suit away and says, the last labor is fighting at me now. And he just pins him with the greatest of ease because Jericho has been battered by Wardlow and he takes away that match yet again. And you've got rampages with which to try and get it back on the pay-per-view, something like that. Um, because, Yes, Jericho will probably win, but fundamentally, Wardlow's got to come out feeling like the winner, hasn't he? That's the that's the challenge of like I'm, I'm not I've been thinking and I cannot work out what finish they arrive upon beyond the luckiest of Judas effects to stop a rampage in Wardlow in his tracks. Yeah, the finish is going to be difficult because the idea is you don't want Wardlow to look like he's just done a job to 50-year-old Chris Jericho, who's been pushed to his limit like in the parameters of the storyline and very much in real life over the past three weeks or so. But they've nailed the finishes recently to the matches. Mm. The top row Judas effect made that match or salvaged that match. I talked in two weeks ago in glowing terms about how realistically they did back-to-back clean jobs at the expense of John Moxley and Nick Gage and given their characters, that's some feat, like some feat how they nailed those finishes. So it's something that AEW really should get more praise for. Um, and maybe that praise will be forthcoming if they get this right. Top of my head, on the spot, if I was going to boot this finish, they've done a tremendous job of like maintaining the Judas effect as this absolute death blow. What if Chris Jericho lands at flush in, Jer- in Wardlow's face and Wardlow just eats it and does that tits thing with his tongue that he does? 
and like then takes a second one and then that knocks him out. Like he doesn't have to kick out of it. He can just do this raw display of like dumb jock energy strength. Something like that. I wouldn't normally advocate for it, especially when one of the like more frequent criticisms of AEW is that their finishes they may they may provide finishes, but they're not really all very clean. Um if ever there was a story that actually serviced the heel communication, it was this one. MJF loads up the dynamite diamond ring and swings a punch flush in Wardlow's face, something like that, because we've got this lingering thread between them that ultimately Wardlow will one day turn babyface and break away from MJF's financial hold. It would be quite becoming of MJF to blame Wardlow for failing when it's all as a result, of, very literally, at his hand. This is one of those rare cases where that, I think, would be completely justifiable. You know what? Now that you mention it, that would be like a really nice symmetry of the All Out 2019, uh, sorry, the All Out 2020 finish in the Moxley match. Yeah. Wardlow's knacked him once. MJF could screw him inadvertently here. Um, Wardlow could point that out, and then they could basically have a little treaty. All right, it's 1 1. We all make mistakes, et cetera, et cetera. Like dangle that thread and then just swoop it overhead so that they're not ready to really like put it in the fabric of their storyline. I like that idea. We've both got good ones. Is this a good idea or not? Um, Anderson and Gallows in a tag team match against the Dark Order for the Impact Tag Team Championships. Um, look, Grayson and Anderson will do some great stuff. Uno and Anderson will do some great stuff in this match. By great, I mean pretty good. Like, <laughs> just on your dynamite expectation levels. Um, I love Big Dangly. I love Doc Gallows. I love him more for the... F- more, I love him more as a meme and a character <laughs> than a professional wrestler. Um, is he due... A, come on, mate. Performance? <laughs> he's, I, think he's I don't good, know. Mate. I don't know, because I work Thursdays with you and Murray in the office and the less Gallows does, the more we pop at how he's getting away with this in the year of our Lord 2021. So I kind of like it when he does as little as he can justify for the multiple promoters he works for. Look, um, there are two sides to that forbidden door. Um, one side has Hiroshi Tanahashi's face on it. The other side has an Impact Tag Team title match. We have to deal with, like the open universe cannot unfortunately furnish us with all the stuff we like on the show we watch and all the stuff we're not that asked about on the other ones that we don't have to review or keep up with. Um, I, I've not got high hopes and maybe that'll benefit. Maybe that'll benefit the match. I don't think many people are going to have huge expectations for this one. Um, I also think there's an outside shot of the Dark Order win this. Um, all better off when it comes to impact stuff because, again, the open universe that AEW has helped cultivate, um, you know, with you know New Japan and Impact obviously being very involved in it, has kind of, other than Omega's impact title defences thus far, has added an air of unpredictability to proceedings. We all pretty much got the Moxley-Kenta prediction wrong in a most pleasing way as well. Um, and I guess to a lesser extent the Moxley and Archer one. Wilborn somewhere is out here shouting that he called that one. But belts can change hands now that everybody has this kind of you do a favor for me, I'll do a favor for you relationship. So I wouldn't rule out a title change for it. And what's pretty cool about this taking place is that at long last, there is a small chink in Super Elite's armor, of which I think there's we're in need of one now. Yes. Probably in need of a, of a few, actually. As fun as it is to watch them week after week luxuriate in their own hideousness. I mean, that basketball thing last week was just incredible. But 
there's only so long, like every now and then they have to take a hit, even if they don't lose the big match on the big night. Um, so I wouldn't rule this out. And it'd be quite a nice detail in this story, not just for Hangman Page to now have to do it by himself, because that's where the Dark Order are. But it turns out, without Hangman Page to think about, the Dark Order are getting it done too. There is something, there's just a little detail to that that's maybe to enjoy. So maybe they'll get, maybe this match will heat up towards the end because there might be genuine tension around the results. Belts mean, often mean nothing until you're in the absolute heat of the battle and then suddenly wrestling has this funny way of making them mean everything. So there's going to be a two count here and once you're on the hook for the Dark Order possibly getting gold, like that might carry the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's got more interesting storyline ramifications than like prospective match quality but again like the title might elevate it i'm very very curious about the finish so i will be into the match irrespective of whether it's a gentleman's three which anything above that i think will be a major over delivery but i'm thinking the dark order doing the titles i don't know who gets the shot at the books at all out Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I do think I'm fascinated by the genius of the AEW booking process is that you've got complete faith in it. You know that Hangman Page is going to dethrone Kenny Omega, but they are masters at pure, unadulterated, all or nothing drama at the minute you feel like he's got no chance because he has been stipulated to have no chance. If the Dark Order takes something from the elite that they want back, maybe the Dark Order can play that game against the elite and fold in Hangman Page. I just think there's going to be a title switch forthcoming. Um, You could not have done more to... This is fine. They're a mid-card stable who are endearing dorks, but you couldn't have done more in the 10-man match to tell you the Dark Order aren't on that level. This is a way for them to get back in the upper mid card and potentially have something like to bargain for. Mm. I don't know, but I do think there's going to be a title switch. I genuinely do. Um, for no other reason than, as you say, like if you look at the rhythms of the storyline, you need a dent in that armor because if you dent the armor, you create like a narrative opening as well. And at the minute, 
they've got it up their sleeve. I've got no idea what it is. Maybe this is the first sort of crack into this opening picture that's going to have to open um, reasonably soon. Um, the first of two trios we'll preview. We'll do the better one at the end because it ties into a different question I'd like to ask. But we've got the best friends of Chuck Taylor, Orange Cassidy and Wheeler Utah versus Matt Hardy and Private Party. I'm very bored of this. Very, very bored of this, if I'm being honest. Like, the Hardy family office at full strength, and I tweeted this yesterday, the mega fans will forgive me, but the Hardy family office at full strength contain three tag teams that, in theory, should be in competition with them. <laughs> it's a bizarre stable. I don't hate it, but do I think that I don't hate it because, oh, well, at least with this, you're not getting supernatural, wacky, broken Matt Hardy. So there's that element. Like, the Hardy family office, a weird, nonsensical stable. I get that the following money, and that might mean more to them than, you know, like, potentially winning matches. They're feeding with, like, everyone. Christian Cage, Jungle Boy, best friends. It's all very muddled. I'm kind of, like, not into any of it at all. Uh, how do you see this one going, and do you give a toss? Uh, don't know and no. Um the thing is, with the matches, tends to be with Dynamite, and this is a huge credit to AEW, often when you're not bothered about the match or the combination of the wrestlers, you instead move to thinking about what's going to happen afterwards or who is going to bounce, who's going to bump into who, you know, like who's going to run in because that feud's a continuation of that feud and so on and so on and so on. Like, I don't even care about the ramifications to this. No. Like, and I've been critical of the best friends quite a lot over the years at this point, but they always feel inessential, even within their own feuds. And then occasionally you have this like awesome, really gratifying payoff that sort of justifies the whole thing. But often these feel like the hard yards and it just feels like it's happening again. I've, I've had this take before on podcasts and I, it might be something for a longer form, get the table than just a dynamite preview or review. I don't think AW maybe gets enough criticism for having a fantastic tag team roster, but not a good enough tag team division. I've said this before, it's like, it's more pronounced to me with the Young Bucks on top of it because they've been constantly involved in, like, main event feuds. I don't feel the rankings happening. I just feel occasional, like, tag matches that take place that people move up and down and in and around. And at the moment, there's the Proud and Powerful FTR feud. That's about it. You know, that's the only tag feud that feels important considering that you've got so many of these teams. And if we're not talking about teams, like let's go back to the old criticism. You go back to women who continue to not get the breathing space on Dynamite. And that's what these matches at this point feel like is that they're throttling this already packed two hours when you could be like letting something get a breath, something. So I know Rampage is right now. It's right there on Friday. So we can finally start staying right. Well, maybe everything's going to start getting a bit more breathing room on dynamite, but just to, to even like talk about this match feels like we're a couple of years in Like you'd want them to have iron out some of these kinks by now. Yeah. The mid card in the male division is all over the place. And I can't help but feel that the mid card in the women's division would be far better served on this show. <laughs> I'd much rather see a Ty Conti do something anything than these six lads like i really like orange cassidy i do get that he's got shelf life a limited one at that as a episodic tv performer this will be fun great you know like we're (laughs) we're not too far removed from all out and i've got no doubt that over the coming two or three weeks or whatever like the picture is going to materialize 
much like the goddamn briefcase in Reservoir Dogs. Mm. But I'm ready for that so much more than I'm ready for this trios match. Um, certain to be an absolutely outstanding match if it's given enough time um, based on their interactions in the, the trios match last week. Um, this really functions as little else but keeping Darby Allen strong. It's not a bad thing. Again, it's one of those cannibalized WWE terms. Um, but, you know, there is a logic to it. If you put one of your standout draws and best wrestlers against an opponent he has clearly incredible chemistry with ahead of the debut of CM Punk. It's like functional and possibly electrifying business is Darby Allen versus Daniel Garcia. Yeah, can't wait for this. Really, really inspired booking. Um, throwback in a sense because it's the... ah. Oh, Never even thought this match could have possibly existed. And now it's on free television. Isn't it nice to have an alternative? Love the matches that feel like that. Daniel Garcia, um, what was cool about Daniel Garcia, and I feel like my experience would have been shared by a lot of people, is that those that had seen him were talking him up as someone to watch in this trio's match last week. And then in such a short window of time, he delivered on all those expectations and then some. That's a precious spot to be in. I was feeling it for Everise to 2.0 because I was like, oh, they're not going to get very long. Please let them pop. Please let the act get over. Please let it all make sense. And it did. Like As a threesome, they were great. As a singles and a tag team, they were both excellent. And this is the first sort of toast to that. Is Daniel Garcia getting a match where, of course, he's going to lose, but it's going to be how much how much of an impression can you make in eight great minutes, eight frenetic minutes on an episode of Dynamite? I predict he'll make another really good one. Um getting loads of press for going 60 minutes, was it, with Wheelie Eater or something yeah. at the weekend? Uh, again, not one I've seen, if I'm honest, but like one I will make time for. It's a cool time to make in headlines, right, as crowds come back and right yeah. as you could be seen as a, as a new king of the Indies, as that scene finally comes back to life. It's just a pretty awesome time to be getting on the Daniel Garcia hype train, and I cannot see a way that that doesn't continue tonight. Yeah, their stuff in that trio's match was absolutely unbelievable. Like, a total shotgun blast of so much that's great about modern state-of-the-art pro wrestling like warp speed intricate really well worked my exchanges like i expect this to be absolutely class if given the time and i think they've basically made this match thinking jesus christ that looked awesome last week mm -hmm. well, last yeah. we decided to do it so let's do that again i thought like tony khan is a prodigy at putting people together like Garcia and 2.0 could not have complimented themselves yeah. anymore. Like, my God, like Garcia, you expect maybe not the most vibrant, charismatic TV performer. I'll put him with like the two guys who can make it. So it was like they'd all been fired from NXT together. It was like they've been fired as a, as a trio rather than a tag team and a singles guy. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh my God, I, that was so much goddamn fun. Like last week's Dynamite ruled. I do not know what it was good. It was good. I just think the highs weren't high, but there was no that like was particularly bad. No. Speaking was, of something that um, sadly did not rule. Uh, was the Revolution 2020 match between Nyla Rose uh, and Chris Statlander. We are getting a sequel um, to that tonight. I expect, this is, again, they've put a bit of thought behind this, which is not enough, but you can't really, in isolation, bury them for it. What they're doing, I think, is they are building Chris Statlander for a match down the line against Britt Baker. And what they are doing is they are positioning... Nyla Rose as the person to be on the way. That's fine. It all makes sense in the rankings. You can see a leapfrog situation happening. Nyla Rose has got 
in theory, like it doesn't really work like this, but in theory, you've got, oh, she took the title holder to the limit. You've now got the emerging new face. She can go past the last person to take it to the limit and she's next in line. It all makes a lot of meh sense. Um, how do you see it going and do you think they can improve? They got they got absolutely uh, reamed at Revolution 2020. They got that absolute death slot. So maybe it'll be better. But I don't know. Uh, I think it probably will be because I think Statlander's just improved in every aspect. Um, I think she's got a more defined character than just the kind of alien weirdo like the kind of like the wholesome baby i think there's so much more to her act just through like the way she returned and signed up with the best friends um her work seemed sharper as well i thought she came back with like added snap there was none of that like post injury fear that you sometimes see which is pretty cool um she's gonna win absolutely um i still we're buying the strum every week it doesn't solve the big problem of them proceeding ahead with what they clearly planned before double or nothing line up five baby faces and Britt Baker knock them all down one at a time. It's like, sometimes plans change, pal, and you've got to yeah. pivot. And they're lining up yet another baby. I know Nyla Rose wasn't a baby face, like, but they're, they're lining up potentially here, another baby face. The booking of Britt Baker in Pittsburgh is perplexing on paper. I cannot fathom how they've arrived at that for Britt Baker's big homecoming show. When at this point you could have her as the, she's going to be the returning hero anyway, but to try and force fans to boo her in the context of that match seems so weird to me as well. Um, funny in well, we talked to us about the review last week. Like, just for Christ's sake, find her a heel. Like, the bunny would have been absolutely fine. Just find her a heel for that night at least. At least open yourself up to it that night if you insist on going back. But Statlander winning here seems to be lining up yet another baby face. So the match might be fine. The booking is functionally decent. But is this not contributing further to the, the kind of the wider problem with the Baker title run? Yeah, no, absolutely. They are. They need to make a decision, and the decision's almost impossible at this point. I kind of don't envy them, but they had to see this coming. They absolutely had to see this coming. Um, I'm just confused than anything watching Baker. Like what, Red Velvet, that's odd. Like Red Velvet is such a good raw working baby face. I know. Maybe Paul's... one of the worst possible choices in Red Velvet. One of the worst choices, I think, because she's got to lose as well. Nah, like. Give her a heel. <laughs> Even if the idea is she's going to like be a tweener. God, I hate that word. It makes sense in this context, I guess. But like, give her the bunny. Uh, Deeb would have been perfect. Deeb would have been out of this world perfect. Um, but it is what it is. Bizarre. There is hope for that, you know. There is hope for that. She stood up from a wheelchair, didn't she? And off, off came the support. And yeah. they could have been making that injury seem worse than it was while getting these promos on the go that people are banging into knowing that that match, that match is kind of this women's division dream match at this point, isn't it? It is. But I'm like, I know it's not possible probably, but I'm into Baker versus Deeb very much, very, very much so anywhere. But can you imagine the way that Deeb works in Pittsburgh against Baker? Oh, oh. Like, I honestly think it could have reached five-star ceiling given yeah. that that the level of emotion, how good Deeb is at looking like she's hurting people, uh, manipulating the crowd. He wouldn't need that much manipulating. Anyway, we're getting Red, Red Velvet instead. And it's shocking because Red Velvet's not going to really get baby-faced and it's not going to be her fault. <laughs> um, right, we're into the meat of it now. And it's not really the meat. It's kind of an inessential trios match, but it's going to be so tits that it's probably the thing <laughs> the show that I'm most looking forward to. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks 
um, are set to face uh, the Seidel brothers and Dante Martin. Me and uh, Murray in the office the other day, right, before this match got announced. So, yeah, but, but, but Marks, we talk about AEW when we're writing about and covering and talking about AEW. Um, WWE doesn't really get mentioned, actually. Um, but we were saying, this dynamite car. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> like why isn't there like a really great match on there then book the office because wouldn't you just know it you're getting what should be a sensational trios match there is so much good in AEW despite you know the problems we will in good faith criticize there is so much good that you forget oh the side aisles are class yeah uh, the side aisle brothers have been doing class stuff they did uh, recently you watched the match with them um, the lucha brothers no that uh, was mint they had From a elevation match. was that <laughs> Yeah, they had a match with Hooks <laughs> earlier this year. It was mint. They had a match with FTR. There were so many great little eight-minute, ten-minute dynamite matches. They had a, do you remember the one with FTR on the side yeah. of those? Mint. Right. So well up for seeing uh, the side aisles. And what I expect this is, right, is they want to... Did you see that M. Dante Martin leaps over the turnbuckles for yes. the, yeah. to the outside? I think they just thought... That's one of the best things I've ever seen. Let's just do that on Dynamite. How can we make it so I'll put the Elite in the opposite corner? And it's another way to remind people that the Elite are this absolutely indomitable force at the top of this card. You can get a reminder of that. A tremendous match and possibly some kind of post-match. Are you fatigued on these trios matches? I'm not. I'm not. This is going to be tit. Combinations are what makes the difference for me. Um, because, I mean, you said it yourself earlier on, there's two to talk about and one of them I'm not interested remotely. It's all about the combinations and this one just absolutely works, completely works. Like, uh, it's the, there's always a match, most weeks at least, there's always there's a match where we can think about the spots that are going to happen and this is that one this week. And it's not just, oh, because so-and-so could, like you've said about the, the Dante Martin spot that I've got him, like all that coverage in that, what, that week after the fact. But it's how will, like what will the books want to do? with the side aisles just because they all can. Um, will Nakazawa oil the turnbuckle again to try and stop Matt Seidel doing yeah, something? He has to, yes. And he has to go to another corner to do it, to do the yeah. shooting start. Like, like that's the fun stuff that you can now do with the elite is heels, but also, you know, you're going to get all this cool working stuff as well. And the elite are going to win. Um, it's, I love the match more than I love what might come off the back of it, because it's obviously a straightforward win for the baddies. Um, but you've got to line up you've got to think seriously and quickly about who your book's opponents are. Like we could do with seeing, getting more than just a few clues as to who the books are going to be facing all out. And I would feel much better knowing when this Christian Kenny Omega match is happening. So if they can pivot from one thing to another, I'll be quite impressed. If they can get, we got a little bit of it last week. So Christian said that he is pretty good at stirring up amongst friends so he was kind of like tapping into uh, that like really snaky heel version of himself, but as a babyface against the elite. So is he going to be ringside with the babyfaces trying to help out or something? Is he kind of, is, is that going to just be another tease that maybe he doesn't need the Jurassic Express as much as they think he does or whatever? Is he, is he going to be cutting a promo beforehand where he's going to try and get in the heads so that there's one miscommunication in the match and they can sell? Oh, Christian has actually gotten to us the boring little Terrence and Philip looking weirdo. Like I didn't expect him to be able to get into our heads like that. And is that how you get there? I feel like Christian's involvement in it, like could just be another added ingredient. And I want to know when they're going to, we're getting it. So I want to know when we're getting Omega and Christian, because I've got certain concerns over them. And I understand why. And I, there's lots of same point conversations or Daniel Bryan conversations or whatever. I, I don't particularly want Kenny Omega to be in another 
off-handed secondary title match on a pay-per-view and I've got concerns over Christian being the all-out guy. So I'd like them to address that and just confirm for me either way and start allowing me to mentally prepare if it's the case. And I don't know who the hell he's facing at all-out. They know. That's the magic. Mm. It can't be Punk because he's... I mean, we're going off one Allen tease. Like, MGF did as much teasing as Darby Allen. Yeah. Um, but we know that CM Punk um, really wants to work with Darby Allen. So that's another conversation. What if, right... And I'm going basically off um, the Fight TV preview because it's on AEW Plus on um, Fight TV. For the debut of Rampage, it just says, you know, Britt Baker versus Red Velvet and Kenny Omega in action. So link that to Kenny Omega, uh, sorry, Christian Cage threatening to stir up amongst the elite on Friday. So what if, because the Chicago United Center does it need more than a big CM Punk pop? I don't know, but maybe they think, you know, what we we'll want people to watch this thing. It's only an hour as well, remember? So yeah. They haven't got a lot of time. So you, once you discount the Punk stuff for that Chicago Rampage, there's not yeah. a lot of room left for anything else to grab a headline, is there? Yeah. So what if Kenny Omega in action, Christian Cage threatening to surge among the elite? What if he influences the finish, Dante Martin pins Kenny Omega? <laughs> yes, get, great. Kenny Omega versus Dante Martin, which will bang at the first rampage, and then you get Christian Cage versus Kenny Omega at the second rampage at the United Airlines Center. Love it, and I've been itching for Omega to take a fall for a while. Yeah, um, Jericho was very canny and cagey when he took pins as champion, and I think Omega could have done with a couple more of them along this run so far. So I think that'd be really cool as well. The memorable moments, those like AEW really made them count. Yeah, Dante Martin versus Kenny Omega would be absolutely unreal, like a proper TV match, like. And you're cool. giving now away as well. That's what's so smart about that. You're not really, you're not really giving anything away from your your big plan, or you're not sort of having to use one of your big combinations for the big first night. But they do need to promote stuff. So promoting a world title match, even in even a hugely lopsided one that you know the challenger's got no chance in, is something to promote, isn't it? The the all out thing as well, just on Omega's opponent, I. I understand like business reasons for everything, but it's a bit like going back to the June Dynamites. Like all out sold out, and we're assuming that Punk's going to be announced at Rampage, so he's going to be a selling point, probably the selling point of the. So the rationale is right. Well, let's not use Hangman Page at this show for a multitude of reasons, not least because Punk's going to be one of the draws. I don't want AW to get into the habit of thinking just because we've got something, we've sold all the seats, and we've got something to draw the pay per view that we don't want to make our world title match matter. Yeah, I don't like. I don't want them to think that they can just because that's a kind of an old carny wrestling trick. Like these pay per views are fifty dollars and supposed to be worth it and special. You got to at least make it look as if this is, you know, one of the big like sort of chapter points of the year. It certainly plays that way in television. So it'd be a shame if they didn't like if they betrayed that a little bit. Uh, come the pay per view itself. I've got no idea what they've got primed for all out. Absolutely none. But I'm on the hook for it. But like I'm I'm on the hook knowing what I know about AEW and how much I trust the process. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still not on the hook yet, but we'll see. On the subject of CM Punk, God damn it! Before I get onto the tease that they did last week, just have a little bit of fun about what other teasers they can do. I'm so surprised this didn't get memed. I don't know if it was just by love of Kenny Omega, and I love the delivery. But that angle with Hangman Page, when I think it was just as Frankie Kazarian came out to help. Kenny Omega's delivery of the line, now I'm pissed. <laughs> my tits off. But that wasn't the thing that people that got people talking about Kenny Omega last week. It was the Cookie Monster t-shirt. Like, just last. They are so thoughtful at everything they do. 
there was so much going on in that stupid little way good at basketball and aren't we great wrestlers bit. <laughs> the net tying into Cody taking off the boot at the exact same time. It feels like after oh, we're inviting, it doesn't really feel like they're doing that anymore. That was lovely. The what time is it? Game time, clobbering time. Cookie Mont- like It's just a love being geeks about the sort of thing. What geeky things do you think they might do about CM Punk? Because I love this. It's almost like a viral marketing campaign. Yeah, that's I great. It. And I ex- firmly expect it to continue tonight. Oh, I don't know, man. Um, what are the big things they haven't covered? So Kenny Omega tries to speak and he can't catch his breath. And it's like, I sound a pretty voiceless there. I'll be your voice. And then the young boys carry on speaking for him. Or for some reason, Nakazawa's got a spirit level and they're checking it and edge is straight. I don't know. Like, have a bit of fun with it. You know, they can, they absolutely, and they should. Like, they should absolutely treat themselves to this. This is sublime from end to end, from the day that the story leaked to the way they introduced it formally on television to everything that has followed since. How can you not? Love. I want, I want. I booked this on Twitter. The mega fans will forgive me before, like Kenny Omega and CM Punk, were, like even indirectly linked on telly. The Terminator dive, and what's Kenny Omega oh, to air sounds exactly like CM Punk's old uh, ROH theme tune, the AFI one. If he does that and just does a little wink down the camera, I'll be putty in the hands of these carnies like the mark that I am. Who have we got that could uh, like sit cross-legged in the centre of the ring? Nakazawa. Just ever, ever to cut a promo, you know, like Nakazawa. Naka, Ivy Elite come out in his Nakazawa, takes his place in the middle of the ring, cross-legged. Absolutely. Neck bomb! <laughs> drops the mic like that, upside down on the canvas. Absolutely pissed myself. Space, I want more Nakazawa on Dynamite. Um, lastly, got a couple of minutes, why not? I mean, there's no time limit. <sighs> I'm only asking you this because they do something every week and it's fun to bury it. And we should be more consistent in our burials. Well, I should be like, what rubbish stuff are they going to do with Andrade this week? (laughs) Jesus Christ, man. So me and Wilborn went off on quite a tangent about Chavo Carrero. Effectively, that's two weeks in a row that he's like cancelled travel. He's like really great at getting people's passwords and hacking into their Uber apps. It's just the worst. I couldn't care less for this. Piss poor stuff. Um, I they might turn the Lucha Brothers to join Andrade, like they might turn on Paul Pack, but then Paul Pack barely shows up to work half the time. What's the deal about that? Chavo Guerrero doing these lame one nilers over the baby faces. Uh, jokes on you, losers. It's like jokes on us. We're all the losers. Why are yeah. we watching Chavo and Guerrero? I hate this man. I hate it. It's not just oh this is bad for Dynamite or oh this is really disappointing for Andrade. It's bad. It's just actively bad. It's, um, I'm not so sure when, like, it's the expedited false start with Miro. Whereas with Miro and the computer game stuff, I would say one in every four weeks, there was at least a line or a gag that popped you. Um, or you would have that little glimmer of hope because he would batter somebody and be like, there he is. He's just bursting to get out. Like, they're just racing through that so much quicker. I'm just filled with like hopelessness and despair about this guy who is on the verge of somehow not making money for the second wrestling company in a row. But we did say all this about Miro and it came good. I just, I hope that the coming good is expedited as well because I, I hate watching this. Like Chavo Guerrero could not feel more representative of the 
catastrophic misfire with this gimmick with this Andrade gimmick so far like more so than Vicky Guerrero because you look at Vicky Guerrero and you're like oh yeah why is Andrade coming out with his grandma and but you can look at it and be like never mind like we'll fix it second time like this is the fix this is like the Dark Order's Phantom Punches haven't even rained down yet in the Andrade failed project we're not even at that point yet this Andrade thing's so much more boring than any of that yeah (laughs) at least with Miro you think Jesus Christ are they done something spectacularly wrong at least the Dark Order was like have they ruined the company <laughs> with Andrade it's just vehicular escapades and sabotage Ugh, god I almost did my NXT voice Lucia Brothers are like waiting for the food to arrive and it's like I uh, cancelled your Uber Eats <laughs> thank you friend Jack, for that one I'm not see, you next, see you next week fans oh. another just all happening in the interview area see you next week thing is like i just i don't understand how this company when the highs are so high can do things that are like i can understand actively a bit boring or a bit repetitive or a bit unfocused in the mid card because it's not going to be one of your concerns and not everything can be great Hmm. actively silly and bad and like qt marshall still hasn't apologized and Britt baker still not revealed a heater so this sort of stuff's taking the place of stuff they've promoted yeah like now we need we need five minutes for the lads to do the just your partner brody's plane it could be he sucks anyway (laughs) i mean i love that i'll just ask you quickly about how we're going to get to fire in one of the other top towns in the world i mean he's got this match with kenny omega for triple mania very imminently and my god does he need to show out but that that's kind of like it so people are doing the it's still good it's still good with andrade at the minute it's going plunging into that hole if in fact he can't have a banger with Omega send him to work the G1 get him get him sharpened up a bit get his conditions get him working the G1 yeah have a right. have a have a face off with Naito you know the big uh, stuff uh, that's better than firing him anyway I'm only <laughs> I don't want to see him fired I don't want to see anyone fired maybe work somewhere else but not fired same thing. Anyway, what are your thoughts on Andrade? What are your thoughts on the labors of Jericho? What are your thoughts on my possibly ridiculous fantasy booking of Dante Martin pinning Kenny Omega? You can let us know all of your thoughts on those subjects at what culture WWE underneath the Twitter post of this podcast. Whilst you're there, you can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. You can follow me at M Sidgwick. Once again, you can uh, follow us all at what culture WWE get set for Doubled AEW content on these podcast feeds as we look ahead to Rampage on Friday. But for now, we will see you soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.